You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more about this show, as well as my other podcast, How to Stand, visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com. There you'll find episode guides, as well as additional reading, more exclusive content, tons of great stuff. And never miss an update, an album review, interview, etc. by subscribing to the free newsletter, howtostand.substack.com. You could also become a paying subscriber on Substack, and that means you're supporting an independent creator and become part of a community, howtostand.substack.com. Enjoy the show! Hello everybody! Welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop and the first installment of Stay Tuned of 2022. Quite a variety of topics to get into today, so let's get to it by talking about what everyone else has. Here's the super condensed version of the story you probably have heard by now. Joe Rogan has said a lot of stuff on his podcast, things that are now being posted online in compilations, proving reasons why you should not listen to him. As I actually said in an episode from a few weeks ago, the AOM GDA's one, I'm really not a fan of those pylon threads where so many separate instances are spliced together and critiqued at once. I just feel like it dilutes your argument. To me, it seems like it'll do the opposite of get people convinced to take your side here because it'll feel like a pylon you've created. And certain things that are taken out of context are then grouped in these threads with things that no matter what the context, you should not say. And so everything just gets really muddled and annoying and stripped of context. Again, sometimes that doesn't matter, but a lot of times it does. So I'm not even going to talk about these incidents. That's a whole other conversation. I want to look specifically at the latest issue people have taken with his show, being aware that there were other things that preceded it. But what has people thinking this is a bridge too far are two specific episodes of Joe Rogan's podcast. On both, he had doctors, legit doctors, but they proposed concerning theories regarding vaccines. They were peddling in some, it's not even vaccine misinformation so much as conspiracy, and these talking points about mass psychosis, basically trying to dress up the argument that vaccines are a brainwashing tool. It's more sinister than it sounds to have someone put nefarious ideas into your head like that. Really dangerous. Those episodes got a lot of criticism, but we're still allowed to stay up. And partly due to this, partly probably because of other podcasters like Joe Rogan, who have on very controversial guests who kind of traffic in the language of conspiracy, a group of over 200 scientists, doctors, and nurses came together and signed this big open letter requesting Spotify put in place a policy to deal with COVID-related misinformation. Because COVID disclaimers on Instagram and stuff, not the same on Spotify. And so they wanted more clear, transparent, laid out policies regarding how to curb COVID mis- and disinformation that airs through Spotify podcasts. Spotify wasn't really responding to this open letter, but it got Neil Young's attention. And then Neil Young came out and said, I don't even know really who this Joe Rogan guy is, but I've read this persuasive letter. Wowzers, someone get him off the air. Or I'm pulling my music. Spotify can have Joe Rogan or Neil Young, not both. So Spotify chose Joe Rogan. They had a we're sorry to see him go, hope he changes his mind someday message out there and went ahead and started removing Neil Young's music. Of course, because they just signed a massive, massively expensive deal with Joe Rogan. Then Joni Mitchell came out and said, I stand in solidarity with my friend, Neil Young. I too want my music taken down. 
And that has triggered this wave of other musicians and other podcasters to remove their shows or even just temporarily stop making new episodes for Spotify. Very frustrated with the lack of response from Spotify. So Spotify did put out a statement addressing all of the criticism in this whole delete Spotify trend online, laying out the things they're going to do better in the future, the things they're going to put in place, the warnings about COVID info, redirecting people to certain info, etc. These seemed like the bare minimum of what they could do to some mis- and disinformation experts. There's more that could be done, they say. Meanwhile, Joe Rogan issued this 10-minute-long self-filmed video addressing the controversy. He started by saying, these guys are super credible, I like talking to thinkers outside of the mainstream talking points, really wanted to hear their perspective, but sometimes they get things wrong, I apologize, I'm not trying to spread misinformation, but sometimes I mess up, I get it wrong, and I'll try to have more viewpoints on the show in the future. So it's kind of an apology, kind of a justification of his previous guess. People have so many thoughts about this and really want him taken off Spotify because they say the misinformation he's peddling is dangerous. I have a lot, a lot to say about this. Let me start off by saying, for full disclosure's sake, my podcast is brought to you by Anchor, and the parent company of Anchor is Spotify. So kind of removed, but still Spotify is technically my boss too. So I want to put that disclaimer out there, but I'm not doing paid PR or anything for them. Second thing is I am basically an anti-anti-vaxxer especially as an autistic person, knowing that the roots of anti-vax movements are the result of debunked studies that treated autism as a disease, and so for decades now, anti-vaxxers have used that talking point to argue vaccines are dangerous and scary because they will make your kid end up like me. It's a very personal pain to see anti-vaxxers knowing the roots of the movement. So I get very upset with any doubt sowing about taking FDA-approved, CDC-approved vaccines because of the anti-vax stuff being based on that lie. It's, it's very upsetting. So anyone who questions why you would get vaccinated, even just hypothesizes it could be not worth it or in your best interests, very, very, very frustrating seeds of doubt really grow into big trees or whatever. Third thing I want to say before I get to the actual substance here of this specific issue, I'm sorry, but I cannot, I cannot fully just take in what they're saying in one of those conversations because the guest who's talking about the psychosis thing is wearing a suit and bow tie. So you have typical casual wear of a podcaster on Joe Rogan and this guy in a suit and bow tie. I'm sorry, I cannot take him seriously in that setting. Too distracting. So that's part of the reason why maybe it's a little surprise the backlash just because I can't concentrate on much else because it's such a weird optics thing. Anyway, so here's my take though. With all this being said, and knowing if you've heard my rants before on this show, you know I like to have really nuanced opinions that I talk about in depth. So it's not like whose side are you on? I don't like to view issues in a whose side are you on binary way. I don't like to treat any label with that kind of dichotomy, and so my viewpoint is not sticking up for him or bashing him. Don't even like that framing of it. So with that knowledge of how I treat these discussions in mind, here's my thing. I think more should be done to stop vaccine misinformation from spreading. I also think Joe Rogan's podcast should not be taken off Spotify. Because here's the thing. 
When you deplatform someone whose views you say are harmful, you don't truly deplatform them for long. They just move platforms. They go to darker corners of the internet. If you're kicked off Twitter, for example, in some cases I will support it, but more often than not, those people, part of me is like, I wish they weren't kicked off Twitter just because of the principle and because then I know they went to Telegram or something, which is a harder to police corner of the internet. A harder to penetrate filter bubble where their gratification is constant because their audience is only the most intense supporters of their idea. So if we keep people out in the open rather than going to those super intense more filter bubble areas, we might actually be helping. You know, Joe Rogan's influence has actually diminished since he got an exclusive deal with Spotify. Because otherwise, he would be on all sorts of podcast streaming platforms. But now, you can only listen to a show on Spotify. So all these other avenues he would explore without a Spotify deal are taken away because of this contract. So what I'm saying is if you deplatform him, I wish people were thinking about the longer term effects that'll come back to bite you if you vouch for him to be deplatformed. Because he's just going to go make more money off of conspiracies, maybe, preach to the choir about certain things that are medically damaging. He's going to go continue to speak just somewhere else. And in general, I'm just 99% of the time in favor of not censoring. Honestly, because I'm just so pro-free speech, I just read too much world news to not treat as sacred the democratic right to free speech and worry about the effects the second you start banning people or filtering them. I'm just such a... I just really don't like that. But anyway... So I think actually he does less damage if we just leave him be with his Spotify deal. So I think the push is well intended and I support their root purpose of the protest. But I do think the form of retribution being sought is misguided. Deplatforming him would both empower him, make him dig in his heels more, it would infringe on some freedom of speech rights, and it would expand his influence, actually. He might end up reaching a whole new level of audiences if he didn't have this exclusive deal. Now, as for his apology video, half apology, I take some issues with that. Some, honestly, very personally, because he said some things that just bug me because, you know, he's saying, look, I didn't realize the influence I have. I have to be more responsible with my sources and stuff next time. I'm just a guy who wings it on a microphone a couple hours a day and 11 million people listen. Who would have thought? And I'm just laughing while crying over here, doing my show on my own, running this on my own, and getting way fewer streams, and not winning it, and very carefully thinking about what I want to say, because even if I'm talking to one person, I want to make sure I'm giving them accurate and helpful info or entertainment value that doesn't hurt anyone. But he seems to realize, after getting 11 million subscribers, not that I'm bitter or anything, that he should probably fact-check himself and care about his impact. So personally, I just got annoyed by this video. But also because I didn't like the framing of him saying in the future he will have on more viewpoints. Because the issue was with two episodes where the issue was facts. Like, he's going to have more people on in the future to share their view, their interpretation of the fact. The way he worded it made it sound like the issue was balance and not substance. The way he worded it made it sound like these guys' views were not dangerous so long as someone else was there to say, well, here's the truth. But see, the thing is, let's say you 
Let's say there's a podcast guest who says, it's not raining. Not raining, it's not raining. Then someone else comes on, the person who's accurate, let's say it is raining. And then the other person is invited to argue, it is raining. Look outside, it's right there, it's raining. As a listener, you're probably going to go open your window to find out for yourself. You're going to try to figure out who's right, even though you hear the rain on your roof. That seed of doubt about is it really raining was cast and could actually compel you to take action because of that guest who was on who just said a lie. What people say really matters and what topics they treat as debatable matters. To have different experts on about a topic like, is it raining? There's no point in both sides in that. And so I think what the apology video failed to do was clarify who may have been a better voice to uplift on those podcast episodes. As opposed to doubling down, justifying, listing their credentials and saying, maybe someone who disagrees with them, I should have on too, rather than saying, you know what, maybe someone without that type of harmful, dangerous sentiment should just come on and doesn't need a counter. So I don't think balance is the right view here, the way he's defining balance. There just aren't several sides to every issue, and the context can change. And so, like in the video, he gives examples of things like, they used to say cloth masks were working well, and now they're saying they're not? They lied. They didn't lie. The context changed, our knowledge changed, and a new COVID variant that defies cloth on its own changed. So now we're in N95. So he's just using that as an example of what happens when you start censoring people. I just think he's not characterizing a true lie in what needs to be done to correct it correctly. So my issue with him is both personal envy as a fellow podcaster, getting way less attention and apparently working way harder than he does on his show every day. But also I have my less subjective room for critique too. Just didn't care for the way he handled this, but I really don't think deplatforming is the answer. Hopefully all this makes sense. That's my take. Let's move on to a lighter trend, but still related to money. <laughs> For the first time in 17 years, album sales have risen. This is large thanks to Adele's album 30 and BTS albums. BTS albums accounted for over 2.5% of total album sales last year, and 30, Adele's album, over 2%. Also, for the first time in 30 years, Vinyl sales, vinyl record sales, outsold CDs in 2021. I'm honestly not as surprised as some people. I think every couple decades, people get nostalgic and bring back something. And especially in this warped sense of time we live in with a pandemic, people want nostalgia. They want times pre-pandemic to feel like things are quote-unquote back to normal. We don't really have language to describe the sense of wistfulness we have. We use things in place of that language to say it for us. Plus, I think just for social media aesthetic purposes, it's way cooler to pose with your vinyl or show your vinyl than it is to show off your plastic case CD or whatever. I know, not really plastic, but whatever. The way the lighting bounces off of it and stuff, it's way harder to make an aesthetic picture with. Moving on, a new study has come out, which I will link to on my site as always, showing the 10 most dangerous songs to listen to while driving. So the really long and short of the methodology, they analyzed Spotify's 20 most popular playlists for driving, meaning they analyzed over 4,000 songs and scored each song in three categories. Danceability, energy, and valence score, meaning how emotionally charged the song makes you for good or bad. 
They average those scores, use some Spotify scoring as well in terms of just looking at sheer popularity of those songs, and this is the resulting list. 10. Zane, Dusk Till Dawn, Radio Edit. 9. Dua Lipa, Levitating. 8. Evanescence, Bring Me to Life. 7. Bon Jovi, You Give Love a Bad Name. 6. Calvin Harris, Feel So Close, Radio Edit. 5. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Can't Stop. 4. Aha's Take On Me. 3. Jay-Z's Empire State of Mind. 2. The Killers, Mr. Brightside. And number 1. Outcast, Hey Ya. They also looked at the least distracting. Least distracting song, so apparently the safest. Not going to put you to sleep or get you too jazzed. Fifth place, Justin Bieber, Love Yourself. Fourth place, Bruno Mars, When I Was Your Man. Third place, Louis Capaldi, Bruises. Second place, Noah Cyrus, July. First place, Billie Eilish, Bad Guy. I'll make that the question of the day. What do you think is your most dangerous song? You can't play it in the car. You get too distracted. You get too into it. I probably headbang way too much to Chain by NCT127 and Shanyol's part of Monster by XO. Speaking of rocking out, the When We Were Young Fest had the internet really confused. Basically, it's this announcement for a pop punk festival coming this fall. And people were like, this is way too good to be true. Something's off. This is too perfect. Too many iconic artists packed into the same event, the same day. What is happening? Basically, if you were into pop punk music of the early aughts, this is your Christmas. They had to add a second and then a third date with the same stacked lineup each day. And people are like waiting for this to be another fire festival because they're just very much feeling suspicious like it's too good to be true. Here's the thing, though. First of all, I get annoyed that every festival these days or any event that goes wrong is compared to Firefest, because that was just such a funny, unique situation. Obviously sad, but also darkly funny and weird. The comparison has just gotten so irrelevant because it's used so much, so it's kind of cliche at this point. So let's move on from that analogy. Second of all, I think we've just spent the past few years so steeped in low expectations that this seems too good to be true. I mean, this event took place before, in 2017. It got a mere fraction of the press coverage because people went and they enjoyed and that was it. There's no news story about it. So this is relatively new ginned up suspicion after its debut. So I think we're just, we need to learn we can still enjoy things. I hope I didn't just jinx it. We will find out. A really interesting study came out by the same author of this paper from back in 2007 about how he noticed a connection between the World Cup results and stock market performance. So different song scores were used in this study, separate from what I talked about earlier. Long and short of it all is he was looking for new links to stock market performance and music habits. And apparently the stock market does better when people are listening to happier music. According to this, the happiest that I guess will just make us all rich is September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Some more interesting programming news. YouTube is majorly cutting back on originals. They're not going to focus on funding for YouTube kids and for black voices. But aside from those two funds, they're kind of scaling back original stuff. Maybe after Analog Trip, they were like, we've peaked, that's it. And the content chief did just leave her position, no replacement, so there may be some interesting long-term effects here. 
that's it for me today. Thank you guys for hearing me out, as always. And I will talk to you all again very soon. Bye, everyone.